the Hope FM Breakfast Show. And this morning, I'm delighted that joining us is Richard Smart, who's going to be talking to us about Christian pilgrimages and walks. Good morning, Richard. Uh, good morning, Ian. Thank you for inviting me on your show. It's great. It's good to have you with us. Uh, before we start talking about Christian pilgrimages and walks, though, your professional background wouldn't lead me to believe that you had an interest in Christian pilgrimages and walks, because for many years you worked in a, a very different industry. So tell us about that. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I used to work in the pharmaceutical industry, and uh, I did it for 40 years, and it was a great pleasure. Uh, I had a great time and traveled the world, and people uh, told me about their cities and things like that. So uh, I used to go to a new city and then go on one of their walks, actually, and uh, people would be very proud of their city and tell me all about it and their history. So it did sort of tie in in a way. Oh, yeah. And uh, are you allowed to mention the pharmaceutical company? Uh, Well, I I don't see why not. I mean, I worked for a number, but um, uh, my last one was Pfizer, and um, many of my team went on to work on the vaccine that we, you know, very proud of that they managed to achieve. Yeah, great achievement, definitely great achievement, that was. Uh, So working in that background in pharmaceutical, but traveling the world and taking an interest in cities. Did that lead you to the position? Because I know eventually you became a London Blue Badge Guide. So how did that come about? Yeah, well, one day I was sitting in a very long uh, meeting, four or five days, reviewing clinical trials uh, internationally. And um, uh, on the third day, they said, well, you can you can have a break. <laughs> and so it was death by PowerPoint. And... Um, Uh, They said, you can go out with a walk with a blue badge guide. So I did that. And uh, I said, well, you you know, if I ever retire, (laughs) this is something I'm going to have to do. Um, Because it was uh, was great. Uh, It it refreshed the the mind enormously and told me things that I'd never heard of or thought of before. So that's how I got into it. It was inspirational. And a blue badge guy, people may have seen those around if they've wandered around uh, London. Lots of tours happening with uh, different groups of people. But how do you become a blue badge guide? Ah, well, that's a good question. Um, You you apply. Uh, There's a series of courses up and down the country, uh, obviously in London, but also in the provinces. And... uh, there's something like, say, in London, about 400 blue badge guides or more uh, who um, guide people around London. But there's also blue badge guides around the country. And you have to go on the course. Uh, the London one took me, well, it took me two and a half years. Wow. Uh, but it should uh, a minimum of two years. And there's something like eight examinations. Four of them, uh, uh, at least four of them are practical and four of them are academic. Um, I didn't quite pass the first time round, but did the second. Uh, it's really quite an uphill task. I didn't think it was that hard. Oh yeah, it's it's, um, uh, it's a bit like knowledge. It's one of those special things about about um, guiding. There's really high standards set, and you can come in as a white badge, a green badge, or a blue badge, and uh, they have their different rules. But the blue badge is the the top level. So, what's your favourite walk to do with as a blue badge guide in London? Well, 
I got a, I, I really got in love with the city and walking around the city of London and doing guiding around there. And uh, uh, yes, I mean, there's so many things about uh, the city that um, are so fascinating. The churches, the, uh, the you know, uh, St. Paul's Cathedral, the banks, um, the city hall, you know, all these things are, are very special. And uh, you never get tired of it be honest it's really fascinating so going back in history as opposed to just walks around london people used to go on walks but it was more significant because it was pilgrimages so what were pilgrimages well um you, you know you think of the medieval times when you think of pilgrimages and you think of canterbury tales and chaucer and all these things and uh, it was very much a part of people's lives uh, in those days. And making a pilgrimage to Rome was really important uh, to many people. So if you look at St. Bart's Hospital right here, who was the, uh, the jester to the king, went on a pilgrimage to Rome. And as a result of that, when he came back, he set up St. Bartholomew's Hospital. So it's written into our history. Um, but obviously, with Henry VIII and dissolution of the monasteries, it all died back and um, uh, virtually stopped, really, for many, many years, until about the millennium. And then there was this enormous excitement about pilgrimages, um, which started with the Camino de Santiago, uh, and then spread to countries like Scandinavia around the millennium, especially Norway. And there was a big revival not just amongst the Catholic Church, but also Lutheran Church of all places, of doing pilgrimage walks. And um, uh, it just took off in a major, major way and still continues to this day. So is a pilgrimage slightly different than just a walk? Is there a sort of purpose to it? Yes, there is. Um, it tends to be to, to, to walk to a, a final place or, you, you know, in... Uh, in Norway, I think it's St. Olaf's Way. So um, for some, it is actually the walk. For others, it is arriving at the sort of cathedral or the final sacred place that you arrive at the end of the walk. Um, but, um, yes, there are those who concentrate on the journey, as it were, and others who, uh, who concentrate on arriving, as it and, and I know that you've done some study on this, and I, I gather that Roehampton University has got a bit of speciality knowledge about pilgrimages. Yes, um, I'm very fortunate. Um, my supervisor is Professor Ede, um, who specialised in this for many, many years and has written a lot of papers on it. Um, but I, I'm going a slightly different route, actually, because... I'm not only looking at pilgrimages, but I'm looking at, at uh, the practice of walking in the church. And um, from even from a secular point of view, walking has become realised that this is very, very important to us um, because uh, it improves the individual's physical, mental and spiritual health. So much so that doctors now uh, increasingly recommend their patients to do a take a, a green prescription, as it were, and go for a walk in the countryside. So these people are not necessarily walking hundreds of miles. They may be walking six or seven miles or whatever it may be. So 
there's general recognition that um, walking is really good for you. Um, and this is being picked up by the church um, because uh, they say that God works at, walks at three miles an hour. In other words, he walks with you. And there's a rhythm about walking. And if you're w walking with a friend, there's this conversation that goes as with you as you walk side by side, which helps people with their mental health, their ability to open up to others. And, you know, people who have been recently bereaved find it a great comfort. So there's a lot, a lot here to be investigated. 90.1 Hope FM and HopeFM.com you did tell me that it was a trip to the Holy Land that was a bit of an inspiration about walking for you. Yeah, um, we had a, a young son, uh, about six, uh, who we were talking about the Christmas story about, and um, we said to him, oh, where shall we go for holiday this year? And he said, oh, go, we, we'll go to Bethlehem. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Coming from a six-year-old, six you, you can't say no, can you? So um, uh, off we go to the Holy Land, and uh, I find myself walking around uh, the shores of Galilee and suddenly realized I was walking in the feet of Jesus, you know, his footsteps. Uh, this is where he'd walk with his disciples, he'd taught, uh, and, you, you know, so I was deeply moved by this, and... Uh, I thought, something special here, and uh, walking became really part of my life as a result. And you mentioned I mean, uh, uh, the, the benefits of it. No, so people walk, and that may be just a leisure activity, but maybe it's taken a while for people to realise just how therapeutic it can be. Last week, we had a guest on the programme who was talking about surfing therapy. Now, I've always viewed surfing as just a, an enjoyable thing to do for certain people. Anyway, I usually fall off the boards, but, um, but about the therapy behind it and how much it helps people so unpack again just for us remind us about how this helps people in in a not only a spiritual way but a physical way well i mean obviously i think it's you know uh, well established that that walking is one of the most important things that we do um it really goes back in time to when man sort of uh rose up and started walking as a, a biped you know this is it's, it's, it's as ancient as it can be. Um, and lots of work's been done that um, just, uh, you know, doing regular walks, 10,000 steps a day or something like that, and you do on your mobile phone, has enormous therapeutic benefits physically, uh, but also mentally as well, because um, this is a time where, you, if you like, you can think out your problems and, uh, you know, generate new ideas. I mean... Uh, uh, you, you know, Darwin classically had his sand walk, which was uh, a circular walk in which he'd pick up a stone and he'd do ten walks around his sand walk and generate new ideas and thoughts. So um, it's a great it's a great incentive to creativity and imagination, and also communing with nature and also with God, of course. So it's it's really very very basic basic it's very simple it doesn't require a great deal of 
equipment or anything like surfing does. Uh, well, I used to have a history master who was also a local preacher, and I used to say to him, how do you prepare your sermons? Because he was a very methodical guy. And he used to say, I just walk round the block. <laughs> uh, and uh, he, he would walk and think his way through what he was going to say uh, in church. But lastly, Richard, it, it's worth talking about the fact that apart from the therapeutic things and the spiritual angle of walks and the pilgrimages that we mentioned as well, there are walks that are official walks that have become significant, I presume, in other countries, but certainly in this country. For example, like a Christian aid walk, things like that became a real yeah. part of the timetable each year. So how, how did that come about? Well, that, that is an incredible story because, um, as you know, we have Christian Aid Week and the Christian Aid Walk is often, you know, a, just a very important part of that. Um, but it started off as a youth effort, believe it or not. Um, young people started, uh, after the war, they were very concerned about famine across Europe. And um, uh, as part of their efforts to do something about this, they started almost like, a, if you like, it wasn't a protest, but it was a demonstration embodiment of their feelings that something had to be done about uh, famine. And as a result, um, these were enormous numbers of, of young people in their teens going on a walk. So much so that the, um, uh, the commissioner of police got involved because he was worried about the health and safety of all these walks. But... Uh, Despite the, his concerns, they continue, and they continue to this day. So we've got people who have been walking something like 50 years from those early days for Christian aid, which is quite remarkable, really. And other organisations, of course, as well, have picked up on that and have official walks to raise money, people get sponsorship and so on, uh, all, all for a good cause. And lots and lots of charities uh, have picked that up. Well, thank you so much for being with us this morning, Richard. I know that you're doing a lot of studies on this, so I'm hoping you're going to turn this into a book and the, that we can all read it at the end. Uh, yeah, so it's probably a couple of years off yet, but uh, we hope to get there. <laughs> 90.1 Hope FM and hopefm.com.